When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, episode 159. I'm your host, as always, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. We are a day late this week, folks. I do apologize for that. Times are busy here at Golf Unfiltered HQ. Today, we are speaking with Adam Iverson. Probably, I think, actually, the first other Adam that's ever been on this show, now that I think of it. But Adam Iverson is a co-founder of a great new upstart golf apparel company, Swanee's Golf Apparel. You could visit their website, swanies.co, and they are, have a great look about them. They have a great message as far as how they want to grow the game with making it more fun for not only younger players, but you know the growing demographic of millennial golfers that are becoming young professionals that want to go out and have a good time and maybe not adhere too much or too closely to the traditional roles that, you know, our dads and grandfathers and whoever else have always, uh, you know, paid attention to growing up. Now, we talk a lot about just about the the message of, of Swannies. We talk about what they're trying to achieve by growing the game with different types of features. We also talk a little bit about this great idea regarding a party scramble atmosphere, an event that Swannies holds, not only in their home state of Minnesota, but in other states surrounding uh, their area, as well as throughout the United States. And so they are definitely growing in popularity, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with one of their co-founders. So without much further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Sit back and relax, and here is Mr. Adam Iverson from Swannies Golf Apparel. Welcome back, everybody, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, I am joined today on the podcast by Mr. Adam Iverson, co-founder of Swanee's Golf Apparel. And Adam, I was taking a little look at uh, swanees.co, your website, and I was uh, very pleased to see that one of the co-founders played golf in his sandals in Chile, Minnesota, so I can imagine uh, some of the, uh, the fun things that you guys have around the office. Absolutely. Moving into a new space uh, here soon. So we're looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And thanks for having me. We uh, really started, um, you know, as a bunch of washed up golfers, my other two teammates, uh, better golfers in their own right. I uh, admittedly was never, never much of a player, um, but always appreciated the game. Um, all came as um, caddies in our background and really grew up around the game. Um, Matt, who is the one you were referring to playing in his sandals in, in the chilly winter in Minnesota, um, had actually super glued, uh, an echo soft spike bottom to, you know, a standard like air Jordan flip flop sandal, um, and would play in that. And, you know, we just thought it was, it was cool and funny and all, 
as as washed up golfers took the game a little more casually from there and thought it'd be cool to make something you know like that it really didn't exist and um so we we literally after that round went down the road to a shoe repair shop and just asked the guy you know how do you go about um getting into the footwear business and it led us to you know various prototypes from 3d prints to a custom cowboy boot manufacturer down in houston before we were finally uh you know, at a point where we were comfortable with something that we ultimately launched on Kickstarter, you know, threw up a two, three minute video that we look back on as fairly cringeworthy, but it got the job done and, and really was the the kickstart um, that we needed to, to create our brand. And so you guys literally went and created a soft spike golf sandal based on this idea that uh, one of your co-founders had. That That's just an amazing story. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Did about $22,000 on Kickstarter, which was really just a bare minimum to get the molds cut um, and get our initial run of about 500 pairs out the door. And, you know, I think what really captivated people was the sort of philosophy of the game that came with the sandals, you know, relaxed, it being all about having a good time with your friends and not necessarily about you know, who was playing the best that day or comparing how low you drove your handicap after that weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that was really what got people's attention. And it was certainly that idea more so than the initial product for anyone who has one. Uh, It's not much to write home about. Um, So that idea is really what sort of catapulted us and and launched us into where we are today. And of course, Swanee's golf apparel is much more than just sandals with, with spikes. You know, it's a full lifestyle brand. And listeners, again, you can go out to swannies.co to check out some of not only the, the golf shirts and accessories and shoes, as you mentioned, but there's just a whole different type of lifestyle that you guys are trying to build with your brand. And you had mentioned a couple of things there, Adam, about you know, wanting to be more relaxed on the golf course. And that's really kind of the, the core message behind Swannies, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Taking the, you know, stuffiness and pretentiousness out of the game. And I think the best way as a brand we sort of capture or personify that um, is through our party scramble golf events, of which we're hosting 16 um, here throughout this year. And, how we sort of developed these was just took a look at, you know, our team and what our target market really is looking for on the golf course. And we actually drew a lot of inspiration from the national golf foundations. Um, I think it was their 2016 report on millennials and golf. And it talked about all of these things that they were doing or looking for out of the game. And it was right. Keeping score less, taking more breakfast balls, talking more about, you know, the fun shot you hit on seven, as opposed to, um, you know, making pars and birdies and what you shot relative to par or the slope of the course. Um, And so they sort of identified and articulated all of these points that, you know, were captivating and drawing millennials to the game. And we realized that there wasn't really an event or an opportunity that existed that brought all of this stuff together. Um, And so we said, you know, if 
us and our friends wanted to create a whole day kind of around golf, what would that look like? And so the format of these events kind of filtered out of that. And so what they are is we meet at a brewery generally early afternoon, uh, have a couple beers, make sure people have a hearty lunch. And uh, we have party buses come to the brewery and take all of the participants to the course where they arrive and we have our branding everywhere. We have music like busting out of the clubhouse, just like a really lively, positive, intimidation-free environment. And we go on to do a nine-hole scramble event with three party games every three holes. So the last event we did was Flip Cup, Cornhole, and Beers Be every three holes. Hmm. And if you beat the team you're playing against at each of those games, you get two strokes off that following hole. So it's a cool way to just incorporate something new and different into your score and kind of a more relaxed environment. Um, obviously, plenty of uh, beers to be had throughout the day and encourage people to play music and just enjoy themselves first and foremost. Um, and we've really seen that from the participants who have who have uh, been sort of the the early adopters of this type of format and have been great to bear with us through all of the logistic nightmare that goes along with hosting an event like that. Um, and so really thankful and, and grateful for our early participants as well as the courses and breweries and uh, partners who have sort of been willing to push the envelope with us in, in these events. Now, with an event like that, which sounds amazing, by the way, I'm sure my friends and I would, would really enjoy doing that, but it sounds like you are catering more, of course, to the younger side of the game. I, I couldn't imagine some of the more uh, veteran golfers, we'll call them, uh, wanting to get on a party bus and go and, and drink a bunch of beer. Well, maybe they would. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But would it be true to say that you're catering a little bit more to the younger crowd? Generally speaking, yeah, but I definitely wouldn't um, you know, count them out. I think what we've found more and more is that while we say we cater to this specific demographic, um, that millennials fall into a lot of times. It's really potentially more accurate to call it a, a psychographic, right? So there are people in all, you know, age, gender, whatever breakdown you want to define demographics that fit into this philosophy that golf should be more casual. It should be relaxed. We don't necessarily want to, um, you know, keep our noses in the air and, give our friend a two-stroke penalty for touching his ball. Um, we just want to be out there and have a good time and encourage our friends and the people we're with to, to take up the game. So what has been one of the, the bigger challenges, maybe not only for the party scrambles, you had mentioned it can be a logistical uh, challenge, but even just with starting an apparel company in a highly competitive market like golf apparel, what has been your biggest challenge so far? Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit difficult to carve out your niche. So um, I think one of the most difficult things that actually kind of has a valid counterpoint that's helped us to grow to where we are today um, is that generally the the demographic or psychographic we're targeting, you know, they're not playing as much as they have in the past, or they're just not the type of customer who necessarily or is accustomed to purchasing golf specific apparel and potentially not even out of a pro shop. Um, so trying to deal with the fact that our, you know, target customer a lot of times isn't the person who is 
making the purchases in our primary sales channel is a really difficult thing to overcome. Um, I think on the, the flip side of that, um, the fact that we do cater to this generally younger demographic that has a different approach to the game. Um, courses who, you know, have seen lower turnout, lower membership, lower number of regulars rounds per day, um, are eager and kind of encouraged to try something new and to appeal to, you know, a different demographic than what they historically have appealed to. And so um, it's also been really encouraging where we can go in and sort of articulate that our demographic is not the type that they're used to catering to. And um, a lot of these courses really wanting to attract that person more. Mm -hmm. So willing to take a chance on that, recognizing that we have expertise in what these people are looking for. Um, and, and yeah, they're generally the people who aren't um, necessarily already buying something. So a lot of times it's, we're not taking market share necessarily away from other brands in a lot of cases, but they're people who aren't accustomed to or used to buying apparel um, from a shop, which is our primary sales channel. But because, you know, we appeal to them and our branding in the shop appeals to them and the styles and price point appeal to them, they are more inclined to do so. One of the things I've always noticed about golf apparel companies that are trying to be different is sometimes you see these outlandish patterns, for example, you know, this, this desire to cater to a younger crowd all of a sudden gets translated into just really loud patterns. And, and the good thing, and one of the many things that I like about Swannies is that you guys don't go that route. You've got very stylish patterns, very stylish outerwear, polos, hats that really kind of transitions people into what would be considered a quote-unquote traditional golf apparel line. I mean, you guys got a great look going. What has been re what has the reception been among your customers to this point? Correct. Yeah, you're spot on, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's really something we strive to do. Um, you know, we take a dedicated approach in our product planning to – you know, without giving away too much of kind of how we articulate that internally, mm -hmm. um, we say that a majority of the pieces more or less are something that we don't want you to stick out like a sore thumb mm -hmm. wearing that piece off of the course. And I think in a lot of ways that is where we're differentiated. And I think our market has been really receptive to that because they, you know, aren't necessarily the group that's playing, you know, three times a week and they want to be able to, use what they're purchasing to go to the bar or just a day out with their friend their significant other or family. Um, you know, having a lot of use cases where really as a lifestyle brand, that's, that's what it boils down to kind of by definition um, stuff that blends seamlessly into your lifestyle and not necessarily specifically for the golf course. Um, and yeah, I think that's definitely true from our experience of what we've seen that, brands who have taken maybe like a counter traditional approach uh screen that really like aggressively in their line and in their styles in a way that's generally off-putting to at least the market as as we've kind of articulated it yeah and, and you know listeners again go out to swannies.co and and take a look at the patterns and and just the the options 
on the website, and you'll see what Adam and I are talking about. And, you know, Adam, not to jump around too much, but I want to go back to the party scrambles. This is something that's not just available, or these are events that aren't just available in one or two states. You, you guys are branching out to quite a few states, aren't you? Correct. Yeah, we did our first event, our first formal event last summer in Minneapolis, where we're based. Uh, we're able to bring in our network to that event in a way that made it a crazy success. We sold out the event and it was just kind of a blast for everyone around. And we wanted to be able to take that format and expand it essentially as quickly as possible within the limited bandwidth and capabilities that, you know, we have as a small startup team. So we were very fortunate um, actually to kind of be able to shop the idea around to some different contacts we had in the industry. Um, and Billy Casper Golf, one of the largest management groups in the U.S., um, based just outside of D.C., um, you know, liked what we were doing, wanted to take a chance essentially on something a little bit more risky and more innovative and something that's a lot of times kind of contrary to what they've done in the past. Um, and so they identified 16 courses within their portfolio who they thought would be kind of the best fit. And we worked with them on, on, you know, the logistics of that and figuring out what courses and in areas we wanted to target as a brand as well. Um, and we're lucky to be able to launch this event schedule that's now in 13 States in 2018 um, and growing. We, as we have more and more events, we field interest, you know, from three to four courses generally per event that we do saying, Hey, I caught wind of this event through X, Y, or Z. And I would love to have something like this at my course. How do I go about doing that? Um, and that's probably been one of the coolest experiences for us so far is that it's getting the recognition and the interest from decision makers at courses who can reach out to us and say, hey, I'm the person who's in charge of events or I'm the head pro or GM or whatever at our course. How do we make one of these events happen here? Um, and so it's been incredibly exciting for us to see that and, and hope to, to grow them to more states, you know, even on the tail end of this year and obviously into 2019. You mentioned Billy Casper, and, and obviously there's a few courses in, in my area. I'm in the Chicagoland area that fall under their umbrella as well. And, and they are a traditional golf company. And so I find it interesting that they were willing to take that chance and uh, to with a group like yourself to, to bring a party scramble to the courses that they manage. Uh, have you noticed that over time, obviously you're growing into other states with these events, have you noticed or hope that other uh, courses will catch on over time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think we would admittedly say as were we. Um, I think it's a really cool sort of example of a lot of things that are happening like that in the industry where you're seeing these more traditional established institutions within golf um, taking a chance on something that's a little more out there and not necessarily something that they're used to doing. And I think, you know, Callaway obviously with uh, their chunk in top golf is a great example of that. Um, I was just down in LA and I'll throw a shout out to these guys called Melbourne golf. Um, they have this beautiful sort of showroom space in West Hollywood, LA, where kind of the last place you would think of seeing this kind of new age trendy golf storefront. Um, 
and essentially what it is is this combination of like skateboard culture with golf so they have things like you know handmade recycled apparel from this japanese designer uh like just cool interesting things that you wouldn't expect to see in golf um and they're getting the likes of um I know at one point Nike helped to put together like graffitiing one of the showroom walls outside of their place. Um, and they've got a ton of press from, you know, mainstream golf media outlets. And, and you're seeing some of these, you know, industry institutions partnering with these people because they're, you know, recognizing in a lot of ways and without bashing on, on industry too much, but that, you know, uh, throwing a hundred million dollars at a professional player maybe isn't, um, growing the game as much as these institutions, uh, like to, like to think that they are. Right. Um, but perhaps that money is, is better spent on, uh, you know, partnering with these other sort of subsets of sports or entertainment or culture that also have, you know, historically golfed or maybe even haven't historically golfed, but have an interest in golf, especially with these new sort of lower barrier to entry ways of getting involved with the game, like a top golf. Um, so I guess that was kind of a long winded way to say that. Yeah. I think that's an awesome example of, of, uh, you know, an industry golf company kind of taking a risk because they recognize that, that they have to. And in a lot of ways, that's where part of the game at least is going. And there are many examples of this happening in, in golf today. And top golf is, is definitely a great example of what you're talking about. And, and it takes risks like that. I feel uh, for the game to grow even more, but you know, I, I understand and I'm sure you do very well that, you know, some of the more traditional apparel companies might not be as welcoming for a brand like Swanee's. How has other, uh, or how have other companies responded to your place in the market? You you were established in 2015 and, and you're growing in success. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we've seen any, you know, resistance, at least tangibly that we could speak to so far. Um, I think, you know, without naming names of, of apparel companies, I think there are some that are industry apparel companies that are doing a good job of creating, you know, a subset of their lines to appeal to a similar demographic. Um, back to Callaway, you know, with their acquisition of Travis Matthew, I think that's another great example of mm. um, a brand who kind of recognized that their, uh, like, face value brand maybe didn't have the same um, ability or opportunity to, to target that network, but recognize that that, you know, network does exist and that market is there. Um, and I think their acquisition is just, yeah, another great example of, of one of those players being receptive to that. And, and I think understanding that that market is there and that market's, you know, here to stay. As I mentioned, you guys were established in 2015. You're growing in popularity, and you're becoming more and more successful as the days go by. And, but, Adam, I want to talk a little bit just briefly about the future of Swannies and where you envision things going. Is there a goal? Will there ever be a goal to see Swannies apparel on the back of a PGA Tour player, for example? 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's something uh, that we will actively pursue in the foreseeable future. But, um, you know, I think it's one of those things where we talk about this kind of philosophy of the game, not necessarily butting heads with more traditional golf and golf establishments, but that there is this, you know, kind of blended coexistence that will happen. A lot of times people will um, make an analogy to like, you know, snowboarding in the eighties where it's kind of this new way to enjoy the same experience that was initially met with, you know, some, uh, I guess maybe snowboarders in the eighties would say a lot of, uh, (laughs) resistance, but it's in no way saying, right. That everybody has to snowboard and in kind of the same way that it's not saying that everybody has to have this hyper casual, uh, approach to the game. That's certainly not what we would want. Um, and so I think it's cool to think of the game just evolving where those kind of schools of thought can blend and coexist a bit more from the, you know, perspective of traditionalists maybe coming down from there. Uh, you know, the USGA knocking the hundred, however many rules out of the rule book and <laughs> right. people, uh, you know, on the flip side, maybe the, the hyper casual who are seen maybe as more, obnoxious or ruining some of the, you know, traditional aspects of the game, recognizing that there's kind of a place for everyone on the course. And, you know, we're all out there to enjoy the experience in whatever way we, you know, see that or in whatever way we enjoy the game. And it's not to say one is, is more right than the other. Um, and so I think that's one of the really cool things. And I, I hope we as a brand, um, you know, are seen as one of those, drivers to that point in golf and i think golf becoming you know more accessible more inviting uh getting more into like the nitty-gritty as well potentially more um you know financially sustainable as well as environmentally and socially sustainable and equitable um is something that we'd love to see and and having our name as one of the drivers of that kind of movement is is i would say that the hundred thousand foot view of what our vision really is. Well, you guys keep on doing what you're doing. I am a huge fan of any company that wants to bring more fun to the game. And certainly Swanee's golf apparel is one of those companies. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, that was co-founder of Swanee's golf apparel, Adam Iverson, Adam, thanks so much. I wish you guys nothing but the best and let's do this again soon. Right on. Really appreciate it. We'll have to get you out to a party scramble. I'm I'm looking forward to it, my man. All right.